Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more, please uh, visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the, today's topic is digital transformation during COVID-19 and beyond. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, businesses are dealing with a twofold challenge. We have a significant decline in sales performance, and we have challenges in getting people to work and or bring uh, the sales production or scaling the production is a challenge. So with that said, we are already in the midst in many cases in our digital transformation uh, related initiatives in different stages and different flavors. And there have been issues with keeping the lights on. So should we just be hunkering down, stop those initiatives or actually use them to get by in the environment that we are in like COVID-19 and beyond? That's what we want to discuss. So, uh, you know, workers are remote. Uh, the collaboration with customers and partners has actually gone online for the most part. The way we used to analyze the markets, develop products, and serve customers, all of that is being fundamentally rethought or people are resetting their thinking. But how are they doing it? What are they doing with their digital transformation efforts? To discuss that, I have with me Rajiv Ravindran. He's the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Rider Systems. Hey, Rajiv, how are you? Hey, Sanjog, how are you? Good, good, good. Thanks. Uh, honored to have you. Now, my first question is, let's talk the basics, the channels that we use to engage with customers or the approaches we have been using traditionally to deliver customer experience. What changes do you see uh, being made to them or how are they shifting with COVID? Um, you know, I, I looked at uh, some of the questions and so I, I need to start a little further back. So when this COVID pandemic happened and we decided that everyone's going to work from home, it was immediate. Um, and so we were fortunate enough. I don't know if it's fortunate, but we're in a state that's riddled with hurricanes. So, you know, we've been prepared for this, you know, this part of our natural business continuity program. So, you know, we've looked at, you know, if, if a hurricane hits and, you know, there's damage to our headquarters and we can't come back in, what do we do? So we've been, we've been preparing for this, which includes everybody working from home, uh, connecting to remote sites, giving access to applications. And so, and, and also, fortunately, three months before this, we completely switched over to Teams from Skype. And we also increased the bandwidth. We made sure that we tested it, not knowing that we were going to do this. So within a week, everyone was up and running. There was, there was nothing we had to do from an infrastructure standpoint. And as a result, the business, you know, because headquarters is not, um, you know, they're working from home, but we, we have 39,000 employees. And a lot of them are, you know, essential services and they had, they're out there, uh, you know, doing the job as usual. So a lot of things haven't changed. We are con continuing to do business as we were before. Now there's a decrease in business. We're picking up different areas. Um, but, you know, fundamentally we're looking at how we can help the customers. So to talk a little bit about that, um, I, I want to talk about this application that we developed uh, last year called Writer Guide. 
it's a it's a it's a mobile application um, that creates a superior experience that allows you to manage all aspects of your fleet anywhere, anytime, on any device, including your desktop. So what it does is it finds rider locations, it compares rider contracted fuel prices and other market fuel prices, it logs your fuel receipts, call roadside assistance or use roadside assistant wizard to open up expedited cases. It, you can browse used vehicle inventory, rent a vehicle, manage your fleet, access fleet detail, you can schedule maintenance. So it does quite a bit, right? So, so we're looking at thinking about customers and our employees. And we, one of the new features we added was touch, touchless check-in. This was developed to ensure speed, accuracy, and safety of the check-in process. And for our lease customers bringing in their trucks for service or maintenance. You know, so with COVID, it's even more important, right? We need easy check-in. When you drive on the lot and you open your rider guide application, it picks up your location and and or and truck info and easily checks you in. Or you can make, you know, you can take a picture of the QR code on site at the rider maintenance shop and scan your truck and it populates the truck data and history. So you can quickly get in and out without having had anything, you know, handing off or touching anyone. So this whole process, this came about fairly quickly. So now it goes back to how are your applications developed? Are they easy to, are they modular enough where you can build on it pretty quickly? And fortunately, these, the, the writer guide application I talked about um, is it was, it, we could ex do exactly that. Now, there, we have so many different business units. They're all looking at this and saying, how can we continuously improve and help customers? How can we keep our, our employees safe? So both those things are on our minds every day. And any any um, new ideas get funneled into IT, and that becomes a priority. So the transformation is still happening, but again, you have to have the foundation to be able to move quickly. And fortunately, in some of these cases, we have been able to. So, so great response. Now, when you try to talk about digital transformation, it can come in all shapes and forms. And you could do it incrementally. You can do... A uh, uh, rip and replace, or you could do something in between the two. As an organization, you may have chosen to make sure that your foundation was solid, which was uh, making sure, like under the hood, whatever is happening, that stays predictable. And yes, you can make incremental changes. But outside, when you're talking to customers, they are anyways going digital. Their expectations are changing. And imagine thinking 2019. Till 2019 end, or maybe even till January or February when COVID had not hit, we were thinking differently about what experiences we could possibly uh, come up with or totally fundamentally reimagine them. Right. Is the customer saying, you know what, I'm, I'm pulling back on my expectations or you are setting expectation for the customer that I would love to promise you the moon, but now is not the time. You might have to wait. And the customer is also understanding. What's the dynamic right now between the ones who are promising customer the experience and the customers themselves? Um, so there's two components to this. One, when we talk about digital, I, I want to just phrase up what digital means. It, it, it's not just the technology, right? When you talk about digital, it's really a mindset shift that you have to create within the organization. So it, everything is customer centric. So it starts with the customer, right? And then, you know, when you build the application, it's with the customer in mind. So you, you, you sort of move away from a linear thinking to a digital, you know, uh, thinking. So it, which is, you know, driven mostly by the inputs that you get from the customer, you know, creating agile teams to focus on the customer demand 
right? So you start shifting to a design thinking. So that's the fundamental piece that you have to have in place first. Now, from the from the external, you know, customer, the the customer expectation is always increasing. Every year it increases, right? So in the transportation and log- logistics industry, we talk about new challenges and disruption all the time. So at Rider, it's our job to overcome these obstacles. And the pandemic has heightened awareness of the importance of a reliable and efficient supply chain, right? Now, if you look at it, supply chain, is, it's, it's now part of our general public's vocabulary, right? You, how, it, just at my house, you know, the amount of Amazon boxes that's coming to my door, it's, it's unreal. I, I joke, I can say, I, I, I tell my family, if I could sell all these boxes, I think I could make quite a bit of money. So this is what's happening across. People are expecting it. They're waiting at home. They, they expect a certain time. They want to be able to look at their shipment, where it is. And, and so the expectation is going up. And, you know, right employees understand the role they play supporting essential businesses and embrace that sense of duty. And it's, so it's easy to understand their purpose. So they're all driven towards this goal. So we expect increased demand for more sophisticated logistics operations, um, as well as elevated levels of visibility, transparency, collaboration across the supply chain, as well as the rental um, and lease organization too. So new trends and opportunities will always emerge as a result, including an increase in nearshoring, growth in e-commerce, and last mile services. So I think the months ahead will remain challenging, but we, we can get through this. So we are constantly looking at these things. That makes sense. Absolutely. Now, one is to make some changes to accommodate whatever happened through the pandemic and during this transition period from like normalcy disrupted to resuming normalcy, or we could take the leap and and say now there goes there's going to be a new uh, normal. In any of those circumstances, do you think the organizations and leaders like you? should think that this is fleeting or we should use this as an opportunity to bring some permanent ships, which will keep us more uh, aligned to what we are pretty sure we are going to be doing even after this COVID vaccine is out and people resume normalcy. I think it's situational. And what I mean is that I think you have to look at your organization and if, you know, some companies, because they hadn't been preparing, they react. And then that becomes a process change and that becomes the new norm to a certain extent. But if you've been doing some of these things, I'm not saying that we're perfect, right? There are things that we're all constantly improving. But if there are things that we've already set in place, um, the tweaks, there's always tweaks. The way that we work today is very different from how we would have three months ago. So I think it depends on looking ahead and, and looking exactly what you said, looking at the customer expect, expectations, how is the industry changing? You know, how, where are the disruptors? And planning for that means that the way that you work, because if you look at IT talent, it's hard to get it in one location. So you have to spread out. If you look at managed service providers, they're not all sitting locally. They're spread out. If you look at your data centers, they're not local, right? They're usually spread out. So there's from an IT perspective, there's some of this um, remote working has already been in place. How do we expand that? And the goal, again, is to be able to, to move quickly with the business or the environment. So I, I think the, the answer is, I think I, I see some bigger changes coming that we'll have to sort of conform to. Because right now, I have no one on campus 
from an IT perspective. And things are working really well. In fact, it's running better. My, the producti- my productivity has gone up. Uh, system outages are much less, right? Which would be, which I wouldn't expect. Because we, you know, we always believe, hey, everyone needs to be together. We need to see each other. There's more sense of urgency, but it, it, that hasn't been the case. It's been completely the opposite. Now, based on what you just said, uh, let's build upon this. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, let's talk about when the workers are going remote, as you said, in your case as well, people have gone remote. What would you change in the organizational structure and even our human resource policies or anything that you do to work with the workers, keeping them more engaged, more productive, more up to speed on what they need to know in terms of skills and talents and knowledge so that they can continue to deliver at par or better than before. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, we have been talking about the COVID environment, the changes in the way we are thinking about how we would serve our customers, even how we would take care of our business processes or rethink or reset them. Now let's talk about the very people which make those things happen. Now, with that said, how about looking at the aspects of workers going remote? How should we change our organizational structure, the human resource policies, and any other way that we can further optimize how an individual who works with our organization works at their best. So what have you been thinking and what have you been doing, uh, Rajiv? Um, so, you know, we, when, we, when we said everyone's going to work from home, one of the biggest concerns we had was productivity. And, you know, pro- I, we can spend two hours talking about what productivity is, right? But, you know, I, I broke it down mentally into two components, right? There's workforce productivity, right? Which is the total amount of goods or services that workers can produce in a certain period. And this personal productivity, right? This is the relevant, you know, working on the right things, output of an individual in a certain period. So if you look at all the inputs coming in when somebody's working from home, you have time clocks, you have physical workspaces, you have meetings, you have devices that you can measure, there's chats, workstation, and, and then there's applications that you can measure. All this goes into, you know, looking at but what's the performance against target, what are the activities, and what are the outputs. So so there's this I broke this down to two areas. Once you have one, you have the metrics, tools, and tracking. So for that, we have project dashboards, we have project health scoring, you know, we use Power BI to measure everything. We gauge weekly critical projects. 
And then we have PlanView, which does our time tracking and resource management, including the utilization across all areas, capital expenses, business support, production support. And this is evaluated weekly for time approval and task management for all resources, senior managers and below. So we're able to look at this from a project standpoint as well. In addition to that, we use ServiceNow for ticket tracking. So issues come in. If we have a severity error, severity one that brings down a critical application, how quickly, when did the ticket come in? How quickly was it resolved? And is it a, you know, was it permanently fixed? So we root cost analysis. And then we have agile DevOps which does, you know, we do detailed activity tracking, including commitments versus delivered backlog management for agile teams too. And then this technology scored cars by division, which indicates productivity by area and business support, production support. And this is also fed in by the plan view application. Then on top of all this, I get a week, weekly accomplishments, N nothing huge technology leap, but we use spread, uh, Excel spreadsheet and from all these different criteria. Here are the key items that we implemented or we resolved. And, and in my leadership meeting with my boss and my peers, we talk about, hey, here's all the accomplishments for the week so everyone's aware. So from a productivity standpoint, there is a very strong measurement that tells us that, hey, you know, we're, we are moving forward. Now, that's the tools. The more important piece is the human touch. How do you connect with your employees, keep their spirits up and motivate them? So we're in our fourth month of working from home. Through this pandemic, you know, they've been worrying about their loved ones, their job, the economy, civil unrest, nightly curfews. And if you're in Florida, to top it all off, it's hurricane season. So, you know, it's 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 never ending for them. So they're going through a lot. So that I think that the constant communication and empathy is critical. So the leadership meets every day on this topic and each division talks about um, how the people are doing, what we are doing to help them. So it's a constant, it's not just a, you know, one, once and done. And Rider also has a, an internet platform. Uh, it's a communication portal that's accessible to all employees from, and it can be accessed from any device. And this has created a sense of community in a tough environment. So at the leadership level, including the CEO, we're constantly communicating with employees. Employees across the nation share their stories. It's all on this on the portal. Customer segments thanking writer for the business continuity, tips and tricks for working from home, how to stay safe, and the list goes on. So they can always they can use it from the iPhone, iPad. It's constantly updated. So that communication continues. And so from an IT perspective now, continuing this this theme of communication, you know, biweekly staff meetings and biweekly one-on-ones enabling touch points for the resources and the managers to raise any concerns. And it's not just work-focused. You know, the first question I always tell my leadership to ask is, how is the family doing? Is there anything that they need? Is there anything that we can do? So that's the lead-in questions that should happen. And then we have biweekly executive project reviews to cover critical topics and decision, daily stand-ups. Well, it's stand-up in front of your screen, but daily stand-ups, sprints, retrospectives and planning ceremonies all continue for agile teams. The business continuity meetings are held with IT leadership twice weekly, um, monthly scorecard meetings focused on SLA metrics and essential services. And the IT leadership is, you know, an extended team, including HR and finance meet twice a week. So all this is going on at the same time. Now, the biggest, um, you know, the, the biggest success that we will have is that we have a huge ERP application going live. The, the human resource part is going live in two weeks. 
And this is all done remotely for the past three weeks, including roadshows. Everything done was done, you know, using Teams. And the the productivity and how and and we're we're on time and on you know on time with the release. There's knock on wood. There's no hiccups. So and this and that's the amazing part. The biggest piece is the people. They're all committed. They know that they're part of essential services, and I I, I cannot even begin to tell you how. Um, how focused are people and how committed to writer they are. This, none of this could have happened without them. They're all in. Now, on the flip side of that, I feel that there's, there's a lot of burnout, right? So typically in a, in a day, by, when you leave work, you have half an hour, 45 minutes to drive home. That's your decompression time before you get home. And then you leave typically, uh, not doesn't always happen in IT, but you leave your work at your doorstep and you're with your family. Now, your home is your work environment. So from the time, for me, for example, I sit there at 8 o'clock in the morning right, on my first call, and I go till sometimes till 8, 9 at night. And fortunately, my kids peek in once in a while to see if I'm still alive, and they'll bring me lunch or dinner. Yeah, sometimes it, you know, we go through that. So how do we stop ourselves from doing that and really have some time to decompress? That's that's a current challenge. So the productivity is up, but it's got to give somewhere. And I see that people are working extremely long hours. So again, this is you know we have to make sure that we're focused on that so that our people don't have burnout. So you are, I would call you lucky as an individual and as an organization that people by design are are driven and and yes, there could be sometimes people are scared. They don't know what's going to happen to the business or what's going to happen to their job. So those things could come up. But then coming from the trenches, have any ideas come from the people to help you help them get through this? Or is it only coming from the ivory tower? No, it's uh, it's both ways. We have very open dialogue. So um, even though we, are, we have a hierarchy in place, um, the way that I'm trying to drive the culture in IT is a, it's a flat organization. So um, anyone that's, that has an idea can, can bring it to us. And you know, either we'll say it's not a good idea or we'll say, yeah, I think this is a good idea, but let's put it off for later or we, we implement it. So one of the, the, one of the, the um, applications that saved us to a certain extent, we have a, um, um, fuel application. We we do a probably billion dollars in fuel. Um, we you know we fill not only rider trucks, but we fill we have customer trucks that we fill. And one of our one of the employees came to me and said, "Hey, you know it's a legacy handheld system. Um, you know there's the it's running on Windows CE. We need to do something about it." So he laid out his plan, and he, the, this is an individual contributor that came to my office just to you know just to pass his idea and see if I if, if it made sense and while he was talking about it it, it just it really made sense so I said hey let me, let's look into it and maybe we can build a prototype so he and two other people went and built a prototype for over three months in their own time this is what is being implemented right now across the whole country and it's it's platform and one of the, one of the, the the strategies that I have is it should be device agnostic just anything that we do. When, when we talk about mobile, it should be should run on um, Android, it should be able to run on Apple, it should be run on desktop. And the application was built in such a way that you, you can use anything. So if a tablet breaks, we don't have to go back to a manufacturer to get that exact device. We can just, I joke, but we can go to Best Buy and 
buy the latest tablet, you know, put MDM on it, and you're good to go. So that was an idea that that started from from a worker and was supported across the the organization. So it's not so the other other piece of this is we have great em- employees, but the leadership is very supportive. IT is an actual partner with the business. It's not a it's not not an order taker. So I think that helps as well. So ideas can usually move through the whole organization. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and let's talk about the impact on our approach to handling our physical and IT infrastructure. Because we may have started building foundation. Maybe we would have gone to the cloud when it called and talk about IT infrastructure. Maybe we built our, you know, big or small offices or campuses. But now we don't know whether people want to come back even though you open the doors because they got a taste of it and even companies are saying we don't want all people to come back because that could help them save money. It's easier to manage. People get work-life balance. We can get better retention and work-life balance given to all people, including the management. What is the type of change which organizations should be thinking of in terms of the physical and IT infrastructure now and post-pandemic, which will become the foundation and which will serve as a good foundation for going digital fully. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, physical and IT infrastructure, we had a different dream or a vision about what it's going to be when we are growing as a company, we are shrinking as a company, or whatever we are doing with IT infrastructure going to cloud. People had totally different sets of visions and strategies. Come pandemic, and even the way things are looking post-pandemic, companies are fundamentally thinking, should I bring people back to a physical office? Or should we let them be there? What should be the, the change in the infrastructure we bring? How scalable should we make our IT infrastructure so that it gives us the best bang for the buck and allows the business to still prosper moving forward because business must go on? What are you guys thinking at Ryder and what do you recommend other people do to even shape this thinking process? Because you may not have all the answers yet. Right. You started with the infrastructure and you talked about cloud. Um, the, The way that the the infrastructure is laid out currently for us. Uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our applications are either remote um, in our own data centers, which is fully accessible by us, um, or we have 
cloud. For example, our, this ERP implementation that I talked about, it's all cloud-based. So connectivity to any of the equipment is not, you don't have to be physically present. You can do it remotely. So that's that's the key. So the ebbing and flowing of that, it really depends on your company, right? And how much you, infrastructure you have. But even if you have it on premise, the, the question is really about accessibility. So, and, and I talked a little bit about the fact that we haven't had to come in to the organization to do any of the work, uh, except get physical equipment out of the, the building once in a while. It's, it's rare. So the, the infrastructure is there, and that was part of the planning that we talked about uh, for disaster recovery and business continuity. So that was in place. Um, so we're fortunate that way. And then the second piece is the communication. Were you, are you able to communicate with each other? And Teams has been invaluable in that. Um, you know, in addition to Teams, people use texting, email, all that is, you know, still in effect. So that's the infrastructure side. So the the people coming back to work, it, that's, you know, for Ryder, we, as I mentioned before, we have over 39,000 people and a small percentage is in the in the office. So uh, the primary concern for Ryder is the safety of its people. So, you know, and the remote sites, they have to be, because they are essential services, they do have to be out in public. Uh, we have spent an, a, a lot of time making sure that they're safe, you know, with the personal protection, a lot of uh, extensive cleaning equipment locations. So we're ahead of that. And I also mentioned that that the leadership team meets on a on a daily basis. And these are kind of the discussions. You know, are we taking care of our people in our locations? Are we, are we safe? What more do we need to do? So that happens all the time. Uh, that's happening right now. So the the whether the people come back to the office when and where I I, I don't know. Um, right now it's everything is functioning well. We Ryder we like I said we safety is the most important thing for our people. So we're waiting and watching and seeing how the environment changes and we'll make our decision then. But this is a this is a constant you know constant discussion at our table as well. So, you know, talking to people, we've done surveys um, for all the IT people, and, and the general consensus is, yeah, we don't, some of, some of them do want to come back to work, um, mostly because of the environment. They have, you know, they may have a small apartment or a house, and they have kids, and the noise level may be intrusive. So those, you know, they've said, hey, we, they raised the answer, hey, we'd like to come back. Majority of them are happy where they are. They've adjusted very quickly. And I think, you know, people have adjusted because we know we've always had work from home, and the telecommuting is a little different, I think, than what we're going through because everyone is remote. So there's a different paradigm here. Not so you can't really compare the typical work from home where majority of the people are still in the office to this. We're all in it together, and I think because we're all in it together, there's different norms being created across people. So there's a certain level of expectation. And part of that expectation also may be leading to that the overwork piece I talked about before too. I'm not sure, but for for us, we don't we we know what we want to do in terms of how we serve the business. But as far as our people are concerned, we are very cautious. We've already redesigned the building to be touchless. We've looked at plans for how we bring them back if we need to, or, or only essential people, and then how, where their placement would be, how how they would sit, how many people in a conference room. So we've gone through the whole design of, you know, coming back to work, but we're not ready to implement it because we're still watching. Now, 
That said, now let's let's look at the other side where data and analytics, which is utilized, or people say digital is nothing else but data and analytics. So when you look at that as a function, I'm sure you were in the regular world measuring quite a few things to see how your operations is going. You might be measuring how the customer is engaging, etc. Come COVID and beyond, would you have refined, would you have redefined, would you have fundamentally introduced some new parameters, some new dimensions to your data collection and or analysis so that you stay equally competitive, equally knowledgeable, and equally vigilant on what's happening given the disruption that's happening at multiple levels? Yes, you know, going back to that whole digital uh, example I gave you, so supply chain has an application that uh, their data scientists have built that maps out the whole U.S., and it looks at where the you know pandemic is prevalent and where our shops are located. Um, and is it close to a an epicenter of, of an outbreak? Do we spend, and how are the customers reacting in that area? So this analytics being built, and that's why I said, everyone's looking at their applications and the business saying, how can we constantly update it? So these are kind of the, the projects that crop up to say, can we, is there a better way? It could be routing, it could be, um, you know, um, reprioritizing customers. It could be um, looking at um, uh, new opportunities because, you know, others have, you know, there's a lot of companies that have also uh, fallen by the wayside because they, they couldn't keep up, right? They couldn't keep up with the, the shutdowns. So are there things that we can help those customers that's been stranded? So there's that an analysis is going on and this is done a lot with data. So we have a map that tells you, you know, uh, real time what's happening in our whole ecosystem. Now, one is to build the spot solutions like for supply chain, you did it, right? Mm -hmm. Another is to think strategically, the dimensions that you used to use for data and analytics, data collection, and then downstream analytics, they were built based on some strategy that what do you need to know about your business? How do you want to, how far ahead do you want to stay of how customer is going to be uh, reacting so you can anticipate their demand and, and improve your supply chain and improve other areas of your business? Anything which pandemic did, that would have a material impact in the way the very factors that you're going to look at, the areas which you're going to measure so it's uh, a good question. Um, we we we've been doing that already. So we, we it's not completed. There's the, the the multiple areas that's actually looking at what is the future strategy for for the you know uh, managing customers as well as improving our efficiency. But the, the I'm not aware of the the pandemic being placed on top of that yet. They may be some of the some of the different areas may be doing it, but I've seen the the analytics that we do, even the you know pre pandemic to current that strategy is still ongoing. So we have you know we've data is one of our big strategies, and uh, we are looking at uh, right now we've you know the, some of the things that we've done that's not specific to this is you know we've created data lakes so that the business so we, with data we're trying to have the 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 business folks become self-serving 
right? They can they don't have to rely on IT. So we've built data lakes. Um, you know, we we are um, and and we are in you know sort of implementing multiple data lakes now. We we started with one, and there's a lot of um, there's, there was a lot of um, uh, excitement over it from the business because they can look at they can slice and dice data as they want to. So we're gonna, we're going to continue doing that. But I, I don't think that we've placed the pandemic piece on that specifically in relation to uh, the data analytics or AI yet. Okay, so it's it's a work in progress. It's it's something which may be happening somewhere within the organization. Uh, or, or have you seen the management and your other leaders talking among themselves to see what material impact would it have in the way you want to run your business? Because data and analytics is not just a cool function. It is supposed to be the very driver on how do you carry out every function within the organization, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, the data strategy is part of the enterprise from our rights. It's part of writer's strategy as well. And um, it's about delivering the right data at the right time so that we can make business decisions. That's the key piece of it. Um, how do we create relevant data, right? Because it's, it's, if you look at it, it's an 87 year old company. If you look at the volume of data that we have, it, it's huge, right? So uh, uh, telematics, you know, how do we, you know, how do we give the customers um, insight into where their trucks, where their truck is, where their fleet is. And if you look at the, the writer guide application I talked about, we've started down that path. So data is always at the forefront of discussions. And, and, and from a management standpoint, they believe in data. It's critical to the success of the business. The only thing I was saying before was that I haven't seen the, apart from the applications that's built around helping us through the pandemic, the pandemic's effect on analytics, that's the only piece that I haven't seen. But you're right. It is a, it, it's a, it's a constant communication regarding data and, and how it's going to affect, how it's going to help the business. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, let's talk about this function, which is enterprise performance management. You look at operations, you look at different ways your your money goes in and out, or people work in certain ways to make it more productive. So basically, like a dashboard you would have created for your organization, not just a tool we're talking, we're talking about this whole enterprise performance management function. Should we measure an organization differently today and post-COVID? Should we reduce our expectations or change our benchmarks and accordingly relay that to the outside world that this is how we will operate? What are we doing in that area? How you should go about checking and resetting your measures, your benchmarks for enterprise performance management? Let's explore when we come back. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network.
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Rajiv, when we talk about the enterprise performance management, which means that we may have at some point, and I'm sure even just say in February, if you were to look back and say, how do I measure where we are? Uh, how are we performing as a business? You may have some metric, some benchmarks, some results over time, which you have looked them as a baseline to see how better we can get and continue to you know, do those initiatives to get better. Come COVID, and given it could have a long tail impact on the business, is it fair for anyone to place the same exact expectation on the business? And if not, in what all ways can we start rethinking this whole enterprise performance management function, especially keeping in mind that you're trying to go digital, you're trying to tackle COVID and, and uh, the benchmarks and metrics that you're supposed to have, while they will change, but they should not become unrealistic. So uh, I'm not speaking about Ryder this, uh, this, you know, to answer this question. But I, I was just wondering. So I understand the question. So a lot of businesses have lost uh, revenue. So I would assume that they're all trying to make up that that gap. And in order to make up that gap, the workload has to be the same or more. Wouldn't that be the case? It may be so, but the people who are doing the work, the kind of expectations that will come, so work is is perhaps looked better if looked in a context. That the same customer who wanted to work with you, they may need different kind of services at a different scale or at a different price and maybe a different product because their needs might have changed. That means the measures of saying we are totally satisfying this customer, that might be out of the window altogether, or it might need material shifts. I haven't, I haven't seen that piece of it because, because part of Ryder's goals is always to make sure that we go above and beyond for the customer. And it's a, it's a trickle down. So we have new businesses still coming online and we have, we are opening up uh, on the, especially on the supply chain side. We are working weekends and nights, as we have done in the past when a new customer goes live. That really hasn't changed. In fact, we are looking at hiring more people to help with the growth in that area. So I think the customer expectations, and we touched on this in, in several of the different uh, aspects as we're going through this conversation. I, I think the customer expectations are still high. Now they may have some changes that they need to implement because they're not functioning the same way they were. So, so Ryder is always partnering with them to make sure that their needs are met as well. So there is some ebb and flow within individual customers, but as a whole, I think we're still marching forward to make sure that we, we satisfy our customer needs. Because typically it's a trickle down, as I said before. I don't see that ebbing that much from the IT perspective. We are still all hands on deck for many, many, many of the implementations. Does that make sense? 
No, absolutely. So so that's your point of view because you've not seen that much change and which is fine. So for because we have like you coming from Rider and you're running business in a certain way, this question was posed for the simple reason that life is not same and work is not same. Business expectations, customer expectations, partner expectations are not same. So what changed? And if it changed materially, what are we doing or what should companies be doing to tackle it? Yeah, so the two areas that I've seen material changes, one is in security, in our uh, information security area. That is one area we've had to ramp up because we've seen a 300% increase in attacks. So, so 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 those folks, again, they were working around the clock. We've had to augment that team with more people just so that we can manage the volume. Fortunately, we had all the checks and balances in place to prevent uh, some of the intrusions. Now, this also goes back to, to our initial conversation about working from home. I do see that increase in work because you know the, the productivity has gone up. The productivity is going up, people are spending more time without breaks. And so that's where I see the impact on how we need to change it. And I don't have an answer to that yet. Because on one hand, you know, we're closing the gap on the on the revenue. At the same time, the people are they can't continuously work this way. I mean, think about it. We have a major ERP implementation, which, you know, even on a good day is hard. And so now we are implementing the HCM in two weeks, and then we we are doing finance in January, January 2021. So it's another six months of all hands on deck because it's a big project. So the, the, if you look at the workload that that we're you know we're managing, it's it's huge. So from an IT perspective, I, I don't think it's it's slowed down. If anything, it's increasing. All right. So let's talk about leadership and culture. You did touch culture for a little bit. Let's let's focus on leadership. So if this was my last question and you had to give your advice to people that you're running digital transformation initiatives. You have had been running it or starting now, depending on what stage you are at. You have COVID hit you and it's not gone away anywhere yet. It's got still whatever long tail cycle that's left. What changes in leadership style would you bring so that people step up, they join hands, they come together with a collective mindset and work towards helping the company grow in the process, they also prosper. What would it take? What a leadership style would make all that happen? Yeah, uh, yes. This is something that and I think it's close to my heart, and I think it's very, very important. And when we talked about productivity, one of the things that I, I talked about was the human touch. So I, th- I think leaders should immerse themselves in, in emotional intelligence at this point because of the pressures that that the people have on them, right? So I, I, I talked about everything from, you know, worrying about their loved ones, the job, economy, civil unrest. So this is all weighing on them. So the first, you know, the first part of leadership is really empathizing with them and really understanding where they are and and how you as an individual, as a leader can help them. You may not be able to do anything based on their, their predicament, but just having someone to listen to and understand, you know, calling people out and calling people and saying, hey, I know you worked on this 
for three days straight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You know, if you can give them a spot bonus, just say, hey, thank you for everything that you've been doing. I think it goes a long way. When they hear from their leaders, that constant communication and the, the sincerity with which you deliver some of these messages, I think is critical. Staying close to them, people understanding that we're not in this alone because they're isolated. They don't see their peers. All they see is the other faces on the screen. And it is that you over-communicate in these cases. Over-communicate and the, 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 the meeting their needs with, you know, especially work, uh, clearing their roadblocks, I think all this is critical. So the emotional intelligence piece, right? So actively listening. Um, so you've got a minute left, Rajiv, so we will have to wrap it up. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I would say, you know, think about the people first. And if you do and you put them in the forefront, they will do anything and everything for you. That's the bottom line. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you, Rajiv, for sharing your thoughts and organization about the organizations that need to continue and uh, continue their operations and optimize their digital transformation efforts during COVID-19 and beyond. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate taking the time to do this. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Hope uh, you, you got some nuggets out of it. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us Twitter and LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjog Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. 